chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. So tonight starts a season called Advent. And um, it's really cool this year because um, this service actually falls on the first night that we recognize on the church calendar as Advent. It's December 1st. Uh, it's a Sunday. It's the beginning of Advent. And Advent simply means, it's a word that refers to something like coming. It's an opportunity for us as God's people to look ahead to the Lord's coming It's also to look back and see what it must have been like for those that were waiting on the coming Messiah, Jesus, to be born. And it's a time for us to celebrate that he has come, and because of his spirit, he is with us now. So in this season of Advent, we are going to be going through the first uh, 17, 18 verses of John chapter 1. So as you heard Melissa read, tonight we're going to look at the first five verses. But each of the next four weeks and then at Christmas Eve, we are going to be taking a look at what it looks like uh, that the God of the universe came. And tonight we're going to be talking about the necessity of his coming. In this season of Advent, there's a number of things that we want to do as a church family in order to look ahead to the coming Messiah. And um, one such thing that I'd like to tell you about is a women's event that is coming up this Friday night. It's at 7 o'clock. We are one church in two locations, and our other location is in North Liberty. And Friday night at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a women's uh, worship event for Christmas. Uh, The theme of that is expecting, where they are going to, the ladies are going to spend some time looking at what it must have been like for Mary, the mother of Jesus, to be expecting not only the Messiah, but her baby to be born. So it's going to be a great night of food, of fellowship. Um, It's a great event to invite someone to come to. Um, Christmas time is one of those times of year where people are more likely to go to church. And this is an event designed specifically for that. So feel free to invite those folks that you have been meaning to reach out to. Or as we've been talking about the story of God, you were prompted to share your story with. This is a great event to invite someone uh, to. And if you would pre-register so they can have enough great food, that would be great. Um, so you can register online or on the app. Besides that event, each week we will have our Advent scripture reading we'll, where um, members of our church family here will be reading uh, the scripture reading. We also would encourage you to do something uh, as an individual or with your household or family or community group, something out of the ordinary that would daily or at least weekly remind you what it was like for those that were waiting on the Messiah to come. It's an important thing, just as we've been talking about as we went through the story of God, it's important and we can learn something from people that were anticipating a coming Messiah because we, like they, are in a time of Advent. We are looking forward to the Lord's return. And Christmas time 
It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Um, it's, it's a time where there's a lot of great things going on. Uh, there's a lot of fun things. Um, even people in the secular world are talking about the great season. I've seen all kinds of Advent uh, calendars posted, Advent calendars about how you can be kind to nature, Advent calendars about how you can uh, be, do humanitarian things over the next 25 days. I saw uh, an Advent beer calendar that told you what beer to drink each day of Advent. So, I mean, everybody's celebrating in their own way. Um, but, but here's the thing. Advent and Thanksgiving and Christmas time is a great time, but it's hard too. To varying degrees, it can be really hard for folks. Uh, from minor inconveniences and busyness when you go to the store to really hard, hard situations with friends and family. Um, and so as we look at the Christmas season to come, the irony is that it's supposed to be a time of recalibrating our hearts to the things of God and even focusing on uh, Sabbathing as an individual, as families, as community group, as a church, and, and really making sure that our hearts and our lives are aimed towards the things of God and towards his kingdom. But the irony is it's one of the hardest seasons of the year to do that. So what does that look like? As we come out of the story of God series, we want to zoom in on one particular aspect of the story of God, and that's the coming of Jesus. It's significant in so many ways for the story of God and the story of humanity and the story of our lives because God himself came and walked among his people and he lived and he died and he rose again. But as he lived, he showed us what the kingdom of God is like and he showed us an answer, a answer to what's going on in the world when we look at the world, when we look at our lives, when we look at the Christmas season, when we look at the history of the world and the church, and we say, this doesn't quite add up. Why is someone on the radio singing about it being the most wonderful time of the year, but I'm not experiencing that in my own life? Jesus coming answers that once and for all. So that's what we want to dig into here tonight. So if you would open with me to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. We are looking at John, one of the disciples of Jesus, and his account of the life of Jesus. John writes things from a very um, a, a theological perspective. He's wanting us to see that Jesus was God. He also has another theme that he talks about, and that's the theme of light and dark. It's something he talks about here in chapter 1. It's something he talks about in one of his letters, uh, 1 John. And so this theme of light and dark is something that we see come out here in the first five verses. So um, if you'll follow along with me and we'll talk about um, each line here. So John 1 verses 1 and 2. In the beginning he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So here we see John saying that in the beginning was the Word. And this Word, as you see here and as you see in your Bibles, is capitalized. So he's not talking about a letter or an actual physical word. He is talking about a person. And this person, as we'll come to find out as we continue to read John chapter 1, is Jesus. He's using this word, word, for Jesus. And he's saying that he was there from the beginning. This word, 
word in Greek is the Greek word logos or logos. And this term describes an ultimate reality. The Greek philosophers use this to describe what an ultimate reality is. The logos also came to, under, uh, came to be a word that helped people understand life and the meaning of life itself and the purpose of the universe. Within the realm of Greek philosophy, this logos was largely understood to be an impersonal, an impersonal force and not a personal being. So John is using this word very intentionally and saying the meaning of the universe, the purpose of life, and the thing that's holding it all together and has been from the very beginning is actually not an impersonal force, but is Jesus. And as we go throughout the next four weeks and then Christmas Eve, we're going to see more and more how personal that word or Jesus actually is. We learn here in these first two verses that the word, Jesus, was with God. Was with God. If we say we went to the mall with someone, it's not necessarily a meaningful thing because we go to the mall with like a million other people at Christmas time. That's not what uh, John is talking about here. He's using this word with and it's a, a term of intimacy. It means he had intimate relationship with the Father. And not only that, it says that he was God himself. He had intimate personal relationship with the Father, but also Jesus was God. There's some Trinitarian language that's going on here. John is saying that Jesus is the Logos, but he is more than that. In John's letter in 1 John chapter 1, it says that we saw, touched, and lived with God himself when we lived with Jesus. And Jesus was God made manifest among us. So John here is saying this word was there in the beginning and this word was in fact God. Let's take a look at verse 3. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. This is an incredible claim. John is saying that Jesus was part of creation, that nothing was created without him. And it was created through him. It was created by him. That's an amazing claim. And Paul makes the same claim in the book of Colossians. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. This is one of those bi biblical realities that is so clear in scripture. We know it to be true. But if your kid asks you, how did God make the world using Jesus? You're like, that's a great question. What, like, how does this work? Like, physically, what is going on? This is not a question that we can easily answer, definitely not here tonight, but even as we read all of Scripture, and as we read commentaries, and as we read books of theology, no one can really put words and understanding for our human minds of what this means, that the world was created by Jesus. But once again, John is saying here that Jesus is God, and he was part of creating everything that we see. We'll talk more about that as well in just a moment. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. With verse 1, 
And then looking at verse 4 here, you may start to hear some familiar language from the story of God series that we looked at. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, the first words of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Two things that we see here. There's some of the same language. In the beginning was God. And in John we read, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning was God and in the beginning was Jesus. The other thing that we see is this theme of darkness and light. From the very beginning, we see that God is hovering over the darkness. And then he brings light. And then he separates the light from the darkness and calls one day and one night. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And here we are reading that the darkness has not overcome the light. Darkness has no chance over the light. In fact, if you go into a dark room and you bring a candle into that dark room, the darkness literally retreats to the corners of the room. The darkness is overcome by that light, and the opposite cannot happen. Light literally overcomes the darkness. So here we see that John is doing a number of things. He is saying Jesus is God, but he is also wanting us to focus in on this idea of light and darkness. So very quickly here, before we can get into our application, we need to look at what the Bible has to say about light and darkness so we can understand why Jesus is a part of this equation. So, in the Old Testament, we find three uses of the word light. And it is throughout. This is not just one or two verses. It is throughout the Old Testament. The first is God's activity in creation, which we just read in Genesis chapter 1. God's activity in creation is referred to as light. The next thing is deliverance. In Psalm 107, we hear about God bringing his people out of darkness and into light. It's a, a common refrain that we hear in the Old Testament. Next, the, the light in the Old Testament refers to revelation. We see this in almost every prophetic book in the Old Testament. This idea of God's truth being light and evil and darkness and uh, pagan nations and the Israelites' deeds are darkness. But light is revelation. Light is the word of the Lord. Light is truth. Light is wisdom. And then in just a moment, we'll turn to the New Testament, but that term light is used most often to talk about God's wisdom. So we see here the word light most often in the Bible, old and new, is used to show God's activity, God's deliverance, God's revelation, and God's wisdom. So what is John doing here bringing Jesus into the equation? So let's take a look at what the New Testament says about Jesus being the light. 
We just saw John say that Jesus was a part of creation from the beginning. Paul in Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says that the world was created by, through, and for Jesus Christ. In the Gospels, we see Jesus delivering people out of darkness and into light. He does this in two different ways. He delivers them from the bondage of sin. He forgives their sin. His death on the cross gives us a way for our sins to be forgiven even to this very day and step out of our darkness and into the light of his kingdom. But also, Jesus brought deliverance of people's physical symptoms, their physical decay, death itself. Jesus brought people out of physical darkness into light by healing them, by raising them from the dead. Another form of darkness that he overcame is the the religious darkness of the day, where the religious people of the day were taking God's word and using it to lord over other people instead of setting them free. And then Jesus comes and by his teaching, he comes and he sets the captives free. He teaches the people how to step out of darkness and in to light. So Jesus, we see in his life, we see in his words, we see in his healing, we see in his death, we see in his resurrection that he brought deliverance for his people. Then in Revelation, we see revelation. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The ultimate revelation of who God is, is in the face of Jesus Christ. And John says, we touched him. We heard his voice. We saw him with our eyes. He lived. He did life with us day in and day out. They came face to face with the revelation of who God is. And then Hebrews chapter 1 Verses 1 through 2 says that Jesus is the wisdom and the speech of God. The author of Hebrews says it this way, Long ago, and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is the wisdom and the very speech of God. So John is doing two things here when he uses the word, word. He's using this Greek word logos to say he's the meaning of everything, the personal being, the personal force that's behind the whole world. But he is also saying that he is the speech of God. God's very speech and wisdom is found in the face of Jesus. So we see this theme of light and how Jesus is really the fulfillment and the, the best embodiment of the light of who God is because he is fully man but fully God. Then we need to understand a little bit about darkness. As we look at God's word, we see the word darkness used for evil. John himself uses that in chapter 3 verse 9. In chapter 3, verse 19, in John chapter 8, we see him talking about darkness representing evil. In 319, he says, and this is judgment. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. John is writing here that when we walk in sin, when we walk in our own ways, we walk 
in darkness. And he's actually saying that sometimes we even like the darkness because we don't want our deeds to be exposed. In John chapter 8, John tells us that darkness can be a way of life. It can become habitual. It can be the way we live day in and day out. Matthew chapter 8 and Jude verse 13 tells us that darkness can also be a stand-in for hell. It's referred to as outer or utter darkness. It's also used throughout scripture to mean a lack of wisdom or discernment. So just as we talked about in the Old Testament, light stood for wisdom and the things of God, the ways of God, the truth of who God was. Darkness is the opposite. Darkness is for a lack of wisdom, a lack of discernment, a lack of walking in the truth of who God is. And this theme of darkness is not just a biblical one. We get this from a young age. Kids are often not scared of the morning and the sunshine, right? They're scared of the dark. When are we most tempted to be sleepy? I'll tell you. I can tell you as a preacher standing up here watching all of you after time changes and the service starts after dark. I can tell you when we are tempted to be most sleepy. The first few services after the sun has already gone down when we come to church, there is a lot of going on out there. And it's because it's starting to get dark. We start to get sleepy. We start to feel weighed down the long days. There's something that is so common, especially in this area of the country where it's gray and dark, seasonal affective disorder. It's a huge, huge thing. Uh, Approximately 9% of the U.S. population suffers from that. It's got to be higher than that. I'm just saying. Like, if it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard to have joy. It's so hard to have a bounce in your step when it's so dark for so many hours during the day and so many months in a row. Interestingly, Seasonal affective disorder affects 3% of the population in Florida and 14% of the population in Alaska. It's amazing the effect that it has on our well-being. Darkness is something that implies confusion. So imagine if you're reading a book and you're sitting in the dark. You can't see. If it's dark, you can't see the page that's right in front of you. It's not that the words have changed. It's not that you can't understand what you're reading. You just plain can't see it. The darkness, when we think about darkness, we think about confusion. We think about things that are heavy. We can even think about evil, as we've seen here in the Bible. As we look throughout the story of God, we see darkness in the Old Testament. We see it from the very beginning with the first family, the first marriage, the first siblings. We see it as God's chosen people choose to walk in darkness. We see it as we open up God's word where in between the Old and New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. No word from the Lord through prophet, priest, angel, king. No word from the Lord. That was a time of darkness. And in the meantime, in Jesus' day when he came, he came into a place where the Jews were far from being in a place of power. The Jewish religious leaders of the day were by and large putting a heavy burden on the people and not leading them to the things of God. Jesus is born into a family that has no means of their own. There's scandal around them, around his whole birth. 
Jesus himself is born in a barn instead of in a palace as a king, which he deserved. The Bible has darkness from beginning to end. John here is coming and he is showing us what the true light looks like. John is here saying that he is the only one that can overcome the darkness. It's an amazing and empowering and hopeful thing to think about darkness, not being able to overtake the light. But here John is saying that Jesus is the light. He is the one who overcomes the darkness. So what are the implications for you and for me? Turn with me to John chapter 12. John is going to lay out for us what it looks like to be people of the light. John 12, 35 and 36. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. As we talk about implications for what we're talking about here tonight, uh, the first thing is that we can partake in the light. Jesus here is saying that we can be sons of the light. John is saying that Jesus is the light, and then Jesus himself is telling us that we can partake in that light. Second Peter chapter 1, 3, and 4 tells us also that we can partake in the divine nature. We can be with God because Jesus was first with God. It's the Christmas season. There's a lot of holiday parties going around. Imagine being in, invited to a Christmas tree lighting at the White House. Some of you are ambivalent. Okay. Imagine going to a Christmas tree lighting at the mayor's Christmas tree. Or the president at the University of Iowa invites you to come to their Christmas party. Or Kirk Ferentz invites you to come to his home to be at his Christmas party. For me, thinking of living in this town, thinking of the author and professor Marilyn Robinson inviting me into her home for a Christmas party. She probably doesn't have Christmas parties, but that's the Christmas party I want to go to. Imagine being invited to such a Christmas party and how you would rearrange your life to be able to go to that Christmas party because it's a special invitation. Here, Jesus, the Word, God himself, the one through whom the entire world was created is saying, come and be with me and I will come and be with you. We sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. He came. Jesus came and he lived among us. And because he came and lived among us, and because he came and 
was put on a cross by the ones he came to save. Because he rose from the grave, we can partake in the light with him and he with us. And his spirit can come and live inside of us even as we walk in this time of darkness. We can partake in the light. We have been given a great invitation. Will we receive his gift of light and life and the God of the universe being with us? What a great way to kick off the Advent and Christmas season with receiving the gift of life, forgiveness of sins, light amongst your darkness. We can begin a new life tonight by giving our life to Jesus. Then after we do that and his spirit is in us, we can walk in the light. Even after partaking in the light and being with him and him with us and his spirit living within us, we can still walk in the light. This is a very simple illustration, but just imagine walking through a dark forest and you have a flashlight with you, but you have the flashlight pointed this way and you're walking backwards. You have the light, but it's not doing you any good. Oh, how familiar I am with that. Of having the light, but not walking in the light. Not walking in his deliverance. Not walking in his wisdom. Not walking in his ways, but continuing to walk in darkness. Continuing to walk in a disgruntled spirit. A worrisome spirit, an anxious spirit, an angry spirit, even though I have the light. Once we have the light of God in us, we can then walk in the light. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so now walk in him. We can Walk in the light as he is in the light because we have been made children of God. We can walk in his freedom, his joy. I'm reading this great book in the morning called Jesus, Man of Joy. And it's just talking about all the references of Jesus being joyful and asking others to be joyful. And it is just showing me that my joy, quote unquote, is so based on my circumstances. And the more I think it's not, the more I realize actually it is. My joy, my happiness, my demeanor, the look on my face is so often determined by my circumstances. This was not the way of Jesus. He came to show us what the light looks like. He came to show us how we can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He showed us what it's like to pick up the cross daily and die to self, but yet walk in great joy. We can walk in the light. Jesus walked in the light even as he walked to his death. What an amazing Savior and what an amazing opportunity we have to walk in the light. And what an amazing witness it will be in a dark world. We can walk in the light. And as we do, we can fight the darkness. A number of years ago now, 
a lot of years. I don't even remember how many years now I was in college, but the first time I went to college. It's been a while. But I went to Italy for a couple weeks and shared the gospel with college students on a college campus. And I don't know how much you know about kind of the religious climate of Europe in general, but especially Italy. Um, the majority of the college students we were talking uh, to were baptized in the Catholic Church, and we would ask them, what are your religious beliefs? And they would say, well, I'm Catholic. And that means they were born into a Catholic family because they're Italian. And we would say, do you believe in God? And they would say, no. Um, and so there's just this, this canopy, this covering of darkness. Um, in a weird way, it's both uh, secular and atheist, but also this cloud of religious darkness as well. And so um, the missionary that we were working with there had gone over there um, and tried to start a church. And in seven years, they had seen two converts and they had yet to have a church service after seven years. And before we went out to share the gospel that first day, he said, you may think that the, the task ahead of you is too great and the darkness is too dark. And he's like, there is a dark canopy over this city. And your job today is to go out and with every conversation, poke a pin light in that canopy of darkness so God's light can come through in that conversation. I've never forgotten that word picture. It's so hard for us to think about making disciples who make disciples, especially in a community that is not looking for God or a church. It can be so hard for us to think, what does it look like to fight against the darkness? It can be so hard to think about what does it look like to see people come to faith. I heard just this last week a, a pastor on Twitter celebrating that they were about to baptize their 119th person for the year. I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't even had 10. And you can get down and you can think, are we making any difference? Are we doing any good? But as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and we remember that Jesus is the light, and we remember that he is with us, and when we remember it's not our light, it's his light that we have to share with others, every conversation, every moment of joy, every piece of hard work, every time we tie our kids' shoes, every word of kindness, every deed of love can be poking a pinhole in the canopy of darkness and letting the light of the kingdom come into that moment. Let's walk in the light. And as we do, we will fight the darkness. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil as the darkness all around us and even in our very flesh. But Jesus, the light of the world, his spirit living inside of us, gives us an opportunity to focus on the light. Remember what we said from the very beginning? Darkness has no chance over the light. We need to carry that candle of God's love into our dark world, against the flesh of darkness that we live in. And we need to carry the light of the gospel. And when we do, the darkness flees, even when we can't see it, even when it seems like we're dying, even when it seems like no one's listening, the darkness can have nothing to do with the light. We can bring the light of the world to the world. Have you found yourself grasping for peace, for joy, for a love, for a good feeling, and you feel like you just can't grab hold of it? 
You feel like you are grasping in the dark to experience the fruits of the Spirit? I've felt like that recently. Have you had those moments where you know you should be experiencing something different, but as you reach out, you just can't grab hold of it? The reason for me and the reason for you is that we just keep grasping and not grabbing hold of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we find ourselves not able to grasp onto the light of who God is, it's because of outside of Jesus, it doesn't exist. I keep trying to find the light in places of darkness and it's just not there. Let's turn our focus, let's turn our lives, let's turn our habits, let's turn our affections, let's turn our church, let's turn our world to the things of the light. It's not an abstract concept or an impersonal force. It is Jesus, fully man, fully God, our Emmanuel, who came once and for all to say, I am with you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for bringing your light to our darkness. As your word says in Isaiah 9-2, the people who have walked in darkness have now seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Jesus, thank you for being that light. Father, thank you for not leaving us in the darkness. God, thank you for your saving work through Jesus. God, I pray there is anyone here tonight that does not know you, that is currently walking in their own darkness, trying to figure it out on their own. I pray that they would give up and they would give their lives to you and receive the light, would receive your love, would walk in your ways. God, I pray that we would walk in your joy and be your kingdom people and bring your kingdom light wherever we go.